I don't think you could tell, guys, but I pulled a fast one on you last week. I was on vacation with my family. But you guys got three episodes, so you wouldn't even know. You got a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And uh, if I do say so myself, two of those episodes are pretty darn good. I like chatting about this stuff that's going on in the hobby. I like talking about card grading. We had last week, you know, people taking PSA 4s and 5s and turning them into Beckett 9.5s and 10s, card care and wedding cards and, you know, vintage cards, you know, going from 4s to 7s and all that other fun stuff. You know, it definitely has me, you know, thinking about my collection and all that other fun stuff. We can talk about that in a second. Um, We had an episode about Panini vs. Fanatics, and while one of them may win, the guaranteed loser is you. Um, we had some fun stuff today, but really what was on my mind after coming back from vacation and after, you know, stepping away from the hobby for a week, maybe a little more than a week, and we'll talk about that also during this episode, is, uh, you know, we're still having fun with the cards. You know, what's amazing is that, you know, this boom cycle that we had uh, during COVID 2020, you know, end of 2020 into early 2021 with these, you know, crazy prices was because everybody remembered having fun with cards when they were younger and they were looking for that nostalgia, looking for, you know, something to come back to something that was fun, something to spend their time and their money on. Um, and I look around at what's going on in, in the hobby now. I, I don't, I think a lot of that is lost, right? I think a lot of it is lost. Um, and I'm just wondering, you know, are we still having fun with our cards? I know there are some people who are. I know there are people, you know, listening to this now saying, yeah, I'm a collector. You know, I'm a collector. Of course I'm still having fun with my cards. I don't care if they go up or they go down in value. I don't buy cards because I want them to go up. If I, I want them, I buy them because I want them. Okay. I mean, that's, you know, some real hobby purist stuff right there. And, you know, if that's you, great. Um, I don't know whether or not that is, um, you know, <laughs> that is a huge part of the hobby. And I I do know this for a fact. That's not what grew the hobby. That's not what's going to grow the hobby. That's not the 10xing of the hobby. You know, if you're sitting in your corner of your room in your basement with your Dungeons & Dragons stuff, wearing your Hellfire Club jacket and admiring your collection and not caring what it's worth and not showing it off and, know kind of hiding it for yourself you're not you're not what um you know fanatics is looking for you're not you know what is bringing extra people to this hobby it's not and and maybe you don't care that's fine maybe you're the one that is having fun with your cards what's funny about it is is that i watch content from the burbank show i saw a lot of empty tables i think that's weird so a lot of probably like one in every five tables I saw, um, you know, from content being posted on Saturday, um, no, no one there. Like either dealers not there, or you know, just empty showcases. I don't know whether things were bought out or, or what the story was. But every content seemed to be the same. Every piece of content seemed to be the same. It was, you know, a couple of people making a deal, cards on the table, cash on the table. You know, fancy point. You know, hey, I'm pointing at this guy. He's pointing at this guy. We're both smiling. We're holding our cards for our side of the deal. And we both will say something like, um, check the content for the details of the, the full details of this deal on each of our respective channels. That to me has really little to do with the card. What you're trying to do is make content about you, the dealer, about you, the fun stuff. 
Um, and one of the things that I was thinking about with this was the card kids stuff. I did the national treasures, um, you know, episodes and we talked a lot about, you know, the kid trading booth. I've, I've been to a bunch of shows recently. I, I, I've watched my son trade cards also. I bring my son to two shows and I think there's a lot of great things to be learned, you know, for kids at shows for kids um, with the hobby. There are a lot of people out there, you know, who say that their first hustle, their first grind, their first, you know, uh, come up with, with selling cards or flipping cards or, 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 or that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know if any of these kids are actually enjoying it. I don't know if they're having fun with it. What I see with the kids with their 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 briefcases and their Zion cases is, you know, their parents are bringing them to the show and then their parents are putting them out there and saying, all right, now put your hustler hat on. Not your collector hat, not your, um, you know, not your uh, go buy cards of the player you like. You know, I, I don't really see too many of these kids saying that I, I'm, a, I'm a huge Acuna fan, so I'm looking for Acuna cards. You know, I don't see any of these kids saying, hey, I like this guy, so I'm, I'm collecting that. Um, and I'm sure there are some. What, what I see is kids with the case of cards trying to make a deal and get over on another kid. Maybe try to get over on a dealer or an adult. But they're going in with their cards, trying to trade or make a deal cash and cards, you name it, so that they can then take that card somewhere else at the show and get more for what they just got than what they are and continuing to trade up, trade up. Look at this deal I got. Look at this trade I made. And I think a lot of the reason that we're seeing that is because that's what the content is. The content is find a penny on the floor and leave with a Michael Jordan PSA 10 at a card show. Real realistic, guys. Or, hey, I bought this dealer's entire showcase. Or, hey, I bought this whole table out. Or, hey, look at the flip that I made at the show. Look, And I'm going to pump the brakes for a second. I'm not saying anything wrong with this. I'm not saying people shouldn't make money at a show. We wouldn't have shows if people weren't making money. Let's make sure that's clear, right? Dealers would not set up at shows if they weren't making money at shows. The shows themselves, if they weren't making money, we wouldn't have shows for people to go to. Now, there's nothing wrong with making money. There's nothing wrong with it. But what I think is, is amazing about it is there's less – all right, I'm going to go to the show because I want to fill out my binder. I want to go to the show because I'm a you know LeBron super collector and I want to grab a couple of LeBrons. Is there some of that? Sure. And maybe it's my fault. Maybe you know I'm paying too much attention to the content that's out there on Instagram and Twitter and the like where it's sensationalism and it's, you know, um, look at this deal this guy just made. Look at this trade this guy just made. Or, you know, who got the better of this trade? What? Really? You know, who got the better of the trade? Why shouldn't both people get something good from the trade? You know what I mean? Um, I just remember trading cards as a kid, you know, walk up the block, trying to grab, you know, Don Mattingly cards from someone who had Don Mattingly cards and giving them Met cards because they liked the Mets and I liked Don Mattingly and the Yankees. And we both left the trade, you know, usually happy. It wasn't a, I was you know, trying to get the kid up the block from his Otani cards and give him, you know, nothing but Wanda Franco cards because the kid didn't realize that Wanda, you know, had some bad news about him and I'm trying to get over on the kid up the street. I mean, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but if you look at what's going on out there, 
even the kids, it's just I'm trying to get over on the next guy. I'm trying to figure out a way to walk into a show and upgrade at someone else's expense. That's a fair way of saying it. And it's an interesting lead-in to the, you know, the huge news of the week that I missed while I was in Disney World, this Michael Jordan jersey. Now, I'm going to take a pause right now for anybody who's expecting you know, to buckle up and have the 20-minute cage analysis and, you know, and, and thorough, you know, excoriating of the bad actors and the whole deal. That's not going to happen. And here's why. I don't know the game-used space as well as I know cards. I don't own game-used stuff. I have, you know, I have some baseballs. I have some memorabilia. I have some type 1 photos. But I don't own a single game-used jersey. And I have no problem coming on here and telling you guys that if that's your thing, go for it. You know, if that's what you love, go for it. Um, to me, what made cards awesome from a collectability standpoint and from a um, – you know, investments standpoint. If you want to talk about it both both ways, they're small, they're stackable. You know, you get twenty PSA stack slabs right here in a cardboard box. Boom! You you know you got twenty cards. They're you know they're easy. If you don't want a graded ones, you, you throw them in a binder. You know, a jersey was always something to me that like, all right, if it's really that fancy, I'm gonna have to get it framed and put it up on my wall and then like take pictures of it and show it off. That way, I can't really like take it with me anywhere and. You know, show it to somebody. I, I, there was no like portability, transferability of it. And game used is such a different market from a liquidity standpoint. Sure, there are some cards that are rare as heck and they are what they are. But game used memorabilia is, um, you know, each item is a one of one because it was used for a specific game or a specific instance or a couple of specific games during a season. Is it a rookie? Is it a this? Is it a that? So it's very difficult from a pricing standpoint. You can't like compare apples to apples. It's very difficult to do that. But then the biggest one is this. And this I can speak on, guys, because I'll make a comparison here. I was around before grading. Like I collected before grading. I collected for a long time before grading. I remember when grading came to be and how foreign it was, what an alien concept it was to the people who had been collecting for decades without it. And how much pushback there was, because it wasn't a science. People would say, uh, I can tell you whether my card is mint. I can tell you whether my card is excellent. Why do I need somebody? Why do I need to pay somebody to tell me what a card's you know grade is when I'm I've been grading cards myself, quote unquote, grading cards myself for decades. I'm a pro at this. Okay, then the internet, then eBay, then you know, trading without actually seeing the card hand to hand, you needed that third party authentication, that third party verification of what that card was. That is not game used memorabilia. Because here's the very big difference between grading a card, a card that was produced by a manufacturer that everybody knows what the card is and you have some authenticity with it. You now have game used memorabilia. Let's just use a jersey. It's one thing to say that this is a real jersey. Sure, it's a real jersey. It's another thing to say this is a real jersey that was issued by the team. Okay. Then a third thing to say that it was used, right? There is some evidence of use, evidence of, of use during a game, all right? And you see it with bats a lot too, right? 
the different game used one through 10, you know, it could, could be used. It might not be used. There are markings of a player. It's, it's very, very touch and go and very, very subjective and very based on opinions. It's very crazy. It's different than card grading. But then you get into photo matching, and this is where it really goes left. This is where you lose me entirely. Photos are used to look at a strand of thread or a smudge, or a streak, or a sweat stain, or a pull, or a stain on a sneaker, or whatever it may be, to say, okay, that picture happened in this game. We believe that this little crease in the number, this little pulled thread, this little mark here, is the same as what we see in that picture. So we are going to photo match this. We're going to say that this item matches that game from that photo. And then there are different levels of photo match, high resolution photo matching, different companies that do photo matching. I got to take a break and take a sip of soda. There's so much out there. All right. This is why I don't do game used. Now, I remember the gray flannel auction was sold. I almost put this in my news, guys. I think it was a $26,000 sale for this Jordan jersey. I didn't have any kind of photo match. And I remember when it matched, I remember reading on Twitter, this may be the greatest come up in the history of game used. And it was from real game used pros. They were championing this because it was going to be this great thing for game used. Like you, you could have a huge come up like this. You could buy a, a, a $26,000 item that if it then is photo matched, it can be a seven-figure item. And what they were talking about was this Michael Jordan jersey that was in the news the whole time I was away that was allegedly photo-matched. Now, sounds like the photos were not really a match. Sounds like the photos didn't – they weren't even real. I don't even know. I'm not going to get into it because Darren Ravel did such a good job in his story. You can read that. I posted it on my story a couple times while I was away. I'm sure there's more to come from the story. Suffice it to say, I'm staying the hell away from that stuff. I just am. Because to me, it's it's almost like grading when grading was starting. It's sort of Wild Westy. People haven't bought in yet. The, the, the methodology hasn't been perfected yet. And even when it is, grading is grading. You know what you're getting, right? The card's authentic. Let's hope, right? I mean, things sneak through. And you're getting a grade of it. Game used? Okay. You're getting someone's opinion that this is a game used item. Photo matching it to not only Allen Iverson's crossover with Michael Jordan, but then after it's bought, maybe it's his rookie debut jersey too. Maybe. Maybe. Lots of maybes. Maybes make things difficult. That's why I've stayed away from that space the entire time. Now, to, to put a little finer point on it, if if what's being alleged here is true, man, that is a bad look. That is a bad look for anybody who's involved in it. It is a bad look for the game used memorabilia space. Right? It's going to set back photo matching. It's gonna, but it's a bad look for the whole hobby too. And I'm going to get to that real quick. 
it's only temporary. I know people are still buying BBCE sealed boxes for a ton of money in recent auctions. People have a short memory and forget the G.I. Joe saga of Pokemonsum from Logan Paul history. That was BBCE. It's a similar egg on a face type of thing as what we're here, what we have now for this 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 photo match that is no longer a photo match that was frozen. We've been duped. Nobody remembers. We have a very short memory when it comes to money. And when it comes to money, the interesting thing is when you hear I can buy something for $26,000 and make it worth millions of dollars, there's going to be bad actors. There's always going to be bad actors. Always. And you have to be vigilant. And that's what's bad for the space. Because I started this off by talking about are we having fun with cards? And I'll get back to that in a sec. I promise. Are we having fun with cards? People want to 10x the hobby. I don't know what the hell that means. It definitely doesn't mean they want to make your cards worth 10 times more than they're worth. It means they want to make their 10 times more money than what they're making now because they've spent a lot of money to get into the hobby. And the only way to do that is to get people to buy more. They can make more so that people can buy more. That's what 10xing is. A story like this doesn't make that easier for them either. Because somebody out there is Googling sports cards, that potential entrant to come in, somebody who bought a jersey on Fanatics and thinks, oh, you know, Fanatics is tops now. Let me buy some baseball cards. Let me buy some. Let me Google what's going on. Well, this story is now what's going on. And what you realize is that if you thought that the barrier to entry in the hobby was difficult, wow, barrier to entry in game use with photo matching potentially is even harder. Talk about the learning curve there. Talk about, you know, the, you know, the potential fraud that's there and just, you know, what you have to try. It's too much to learn. I don't even go into it myself. But if that's the content now that's out there, who's joining? Who's coming in? Who's looking at this and saying, you know what? I got 10 grand to spend. I'm going to buy Apple stock. Nah, you know, I think I'm going to put my money in the hobby. Looks like everybody's having fun there. I'm going to go buy some. Whoa. Look at this. And then every piece of content that comes out is a discussion of, ah, look at this. You guys are all frauds. Everyone's a fraud. Fraud, fraud, fraud. Everyone in the hobby's a fraud. And I told you so. Gotcha. What? I, I know it's important to have that. And I'm not saying, you know, this stuff doesn't need to be called out. Let's call the hell out of it. I mean, if this, is, this stuff is true, it is wild wild one of the wildest stories i've ever heard maybe from a hobby perspective a, you know an industry perspective I call it maybe the craziest thing i've ever heard and there's been some cra- people have gone to jail people have gone to jail over this stuff and this one is is up there it might even be it might even be the top but doesn't look good i gotta tell you it doesn't look good at all and it, you know if if for two weeks three weeks a month this is all we're talking about we're not talking about the cards. We're not talking about the cards at all. You know, I like to zig when people zag. I like to, uh, I like to, you know, when everybody else is talking about content about this stuff. That's when I, I, I maybe I want to go and get into the cards a little bit. And you know, what's funny is, um, while I was on vacation, there were a lot of auctions happening. And everybody else was, you know, at the Burbank show 
and everybody else was doing their thing and everybody was talking about um game used jerseys and whatnot i won two auctions while i was there get a load of this i'll show you a picture all right now i haven't seen the card yet i haven't paid for it yet but i'm gonna show it to you anyway look at that i've only owned one of these in my life this is a wilt chamberlain 61 fleer i was showing you guys the card in a psa slab now it's a fun one we're gonna talk about this card a little bit we're gonna have some fun with this one over the time this card is beautiful I owned an 8OC of this card. I traded for it at the National with Sasha Tamadan and brought it to SGC. SGC said they could not slab it because they thought the card was short. Funny stuff about grading, right? PSA didn't say the card was short. PSA said the card was off-center, not short. I mean, subjective, right? You name it. Now, this one is nicer than that, easily. Look at the centering on this. Look at the coloring on this. This card is gorgeous. I mean, this is one of the nicest wilts I've ever seen. I almost bought a nine once. Back in 2018, I almost bought a nine. I wish I did because it's worth about eight times what I was going to pay for it. This looks, the corners are a little softer, let's be honest, especially that one up in the top here. Corners are a little soft, but look at the centering on this. You never see centering like this. All right? Now, I want you guys to take a look at this. I, I was going to play a game with you, but I'm not going to play the game. I was going to say, all right. Take a guess what the grade is. Well, if you're watching on YouTube, you can take a guess. Take a guess what the grade is on this. All right, you want me to show you the back? Just so you, can, you, know, you get fair on this one. Take a look at this one here. Take a look at this. All right, I'm going to show you the back on this. Here's the back. All right, pretty nice. Little little bit of you know color missing up there in the blue, which is typical for this, but beautiful centered card, like a real nice copy. Show you that front again. There you go. This card, I mean, if you told me this card was a six, I'd say, of course, looks like a six. This card, I believe because of what you're looking at right there. Right there. It looks like a little black dot on the card, but I think it's a tiny, tiny, tiny pinhole. Tiny. I had to zoom in. Right? You hardly even see it. I'll get the card in hand. You kind of see it there. Yeah, a little. I think I think it's a pinhole. I think somebody in the 60s, maybe a kid owned this card and put a little pinhole in it and maybe had it up on their wall. Can't see the pinhole from the back. I'm assuming that's what we're looking at here, pinhole. And this card's gorgeous. I love this card. I'll keep this card. I don't care that the card graded a PSA one and a half. I want you guys to take a look at one and a halves out there of that card and what they look like. Some of them are missing an edge. <laughs> Some of them are missing an entire corner. It's like the quarter's ripped off. Some of them are creased across the whole middle with four creases that creased across, like somebody folded it and put it in their pocket. This card, because of the grading standards, when there are pinholes, SGC and PSA, both basically two or less, mostly ones. This one got a one and a half. It's like an automatic knockdown. Meanwhile, that pinhole, I hardly even see that pinhole. <laughs> anyway, to me, some people may be like, oh, you're nuts. Pinholes are oh, the worst. I wouldn't even look at it. It's like having an indicator on the car. But to me, I paid a little more than a one and a half should go for a couple hundred bucks. That's That card is gorgeous. 
with all of the stuff that we've been doing here with the, you know, don't buy a four or a five because somebody's probably going to color it up to a seven. Don't buy a seven because it was somebody's four. Well, this card, I'm going to keep this one for This is now part of the PC. This is nice. You know, it didn't cost me that much. I have a wilt. I have a six to one wilt that has, to me, I appeal to beat the band. Love it. Think it's the coolest looking card. Show it to you guys. You, you saw it. You could freeze it. I'll probably post a picture of it when I get it in hand. And while it wasn't cheap, cheap is, you know, subjective, based everybody's wallet, it is, I consider it for what that looks like. I, I think I got a steal. I really do. Um, and I don't hear anybody talking about this stuff. Like, that's a card. Like, that is, to me, one of the most iconic basketball cards ever, and I want to own it. And... I want to own that card and not, oh, wow, what can I, can, you know, can I crack it now and send it to SGC and can I make up a few hundred bucks with, with a regrade or, you know, can I now post it to my story and say that this is an undergraded 1.5 and immediately post it and say, you know, this should sell for double what I paid and try to flip it? Not, not why I bought it. I bought it because I want to own one. I think that one looks awesome. And now I have that in my collection for a price I was willing to pay. And I will be looking for more like that. Anybody got Michael Jordan 86 Fleer with a tiny little pinhole in it? <laughs> send it my way. <laughs> send, send it my way. I'll take it. Anyway, it's just one of those fun things I thought about while everybody else was out there yelling about fake Michael Jordans and all this other drama. I know we have to make content about it. I know we do, but nobody out there is making as good of a story as Darren Ravel did. So just everybody point to the Ravel story and the rest of you guys. While everybody's looking at all this, it's like the prestige. You're like a magician. While this is going on over here, you got to be the one that's looking over here for bargains. While everybody's over here doing this craziness, you know, while the breakers are telling you that Flux is coming out again and it's the best product of all time, you should be over here. Trying to buy some LeBron exquisites for a bargain. I know, I know. Listen, I'm telling you to go eat lobster and, and filet mignon. I just use that as an example. You know? There are a ton of bargains out there. A ton of cool cards. And let's not even talk about bargains of cards. I'll leave you with this. Because I want you all to have fun with cards. There's a lot of great content out there. A lot of great gotcha content. I enjoyed watching AIH's videos this week. I did. Because, come on. I almost mentioned it myself. I heard about this jersey thing happening before it broke, probably three days before it broke. And you know, people were, were calling me while I was on vacation. People were you know, sending me um, text messages. I was texting about it with people, and then it, it blew up. I almost messaged AIH when it first hit to say, like, congratulations, what a week, you know, this is, you know, like, like you're going to have a blast. Like, think of all the things you have both say. I loved watching the content. I did. But it provides an opportunity for you as a collector. And the opportunity is this. You didn't get into the hobby for that. You didn't come back in um, 2020 or early 19 or 2021 uh, when the world was – crazy with COVID. You didn't come back in because you wanted to have drama content. You didn't come back in because you were hoping to take a pair of shoes and photo match them to uh, something and make them worth more money and flip it. You didn't, you didn't come back in because you were hoping to go to a card show with your Zion case 
and get over on somebody. You came back in because you remembered what this was like. You came back in because you remember doing it as a kid. I'm going to try to channel my inner James Earl Jones from Field of Dreams talking about baseball being pure and baseball standing the test of time. You have to almost be romantic like that about the hobby because that, I believe, is what brought a lot of you back in when COVID happened and you were stuck locked down and couldn't go anywhere and couldn't do anything and had your disposable income and said, you know what? When I was a kid, things were better. When I collected cards, things were more fun. And I'm going to go out there and try to find some of those cards from my youth. I ask you that while all this crazy drama is going on, think about that. Maybe go buy a card. It could be $5. You know, if you're like me, I mean, I went to a card show. The East Coast National bought a bunch of Drew Bledsoe cards, a bunch of Latrell Sprewell cards. That made me happy. I showed them off. I, I put a picture of them. Not because I'm expecting to double my what I what I paid for them, because I thought they were cool and it reminded me of what I loved about collecting. That was me having fun with cards. Even buying that little chamber, and that's me having fun with cards. If I have one hope for you guys, it's enjoy the drama, enjoy the content, enjoy all the stuff that's going on out there. But also remember what it was about this that brought you back in. Remember what it was that you found fun with cards. And go out there and find a way to have fun with the cards. Go buy a card or go trade for a card. Have fun. That's it. Otherwise, what the hell are we doing here? Talk to you guys soon.